Welcome to Leo Roundtable at leoroundtable.com. My name is Chip DeBlanc and I'm your host. We're a group of law enforcement professionals that talk about law enforcement issues, but we do it from a law enforcement perspective. And let me go ahead and introduce our crew to you guys. If you don't mind uh, waiting for the video portion of our show, uh, we have attorney and former federal prosecutor Ward Mythaller, and he may be logging on later this evening. So uh, just in case he logs in, uh, we've also got, I believe, all retired this evening, uh, Captain Brett Bartlett, Lieutenant Randy Sutton, Corporal David D. Grusta, Andrea Casal, and we have producer Will Statzer, and also expecting to uh, hear from uh, Ron McMullen. Uh, we should be seeing him shortly, anyhow. We have knowyourforce.com as our sponsor. We also have Gauls, Extra Duty Solutions, GunLearn.com, Viridian Weapon Technologies, and Guardian Alliance Technologies, and we are also powered by PECSIP. Let me go ahead and uh, start off with um, my COVID experience um, that I had. I've got about a um, little less than 10 minutes here but over the last couple of weeks, I've been dealing with the COVID issue. You guys may not be aware of that. I know the guys in the show were. I've told a couple of our, uh, our diehard users and supporters about it. Um, but uh, what I want to, I guess what I want to really get out there is that for those of us like me who chose not to do the vaccine, so I guess you call us anti-vaxxers, there's not necessarily a lot of support. Um, and I'm talking about from like doctors and doing telemeds and stuff like that. Um, I know that the uh, mortality rate, the U.S. mortality rate, and I got—I always get my stats for mortality rate, which I stay up on from the John Hopkins University of Medicine. It's actually down to 1.7. I mean, they've been writing 1.8% forever, which of course is one person uh, out of every hundred. Um, so the mortality rate is 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 relatively low, but it's getting lower all the time. And uh, they also talk about um, fully vaccinated people. End up get, you can get COVID for, even though you're fully vaccinated. And this is off of um, the U.S. Centers of Disease Control and Prevention. And this is from the director, Rochelle Walensky. And it's, it's very recent, August the 6th. And uh, so Rochelle said that um, fully vaccinated people who get a COVID-19 breakthrough infection, they can actually still transmit the virus. And um, it talks about, you know, the CDC protocols for still wearing a mask. I've got someone over the weekend that told me they wore a mask uh, to protect all the people that are unvaccinated. And of course, if I was worried about getting, you know, the virus, I would get vaccinated. And um, as far as my COVID experience, after we did our show a few weeks ago, the very next day, I felt like I had a fever. I felt like I was getting a headache, which was very unusual, and I had some light chills. So I never get sick. So, and that's one of the reasons why I've never been particularly worried about getting COVID. And I've been around. I can be around the sickest people, including people who are COVID positive. I've shaken their hands. I've never gotten sick. Um, I worked an assignment um, actually at a church back to back two days, and there were a lot of kids that came from some camp that ended up being COVID positive. So I think that's where I got it, and I think it was the uh, new Delta variant. Um, but uh, my main thing was I. I was able to function fine. I just had a little bit of a fever that I couldn't kick for like two weeks. So of course I had to stay, you know, quarantine. My wife, who ended up getting it uh, uh, about four or five days later, she just had these horrible headaches, got nauseous, couldn't sleep, and she had a lot worse um, um, results from getting COVID. Um, so even so, and again, I took a rapid test on my second day, and it came back positive. So. Um, with all the telemeds and all the people going on, at least with my wife, um, 
I know that everybody was saying, well, you should have taken the vaccine. You should have taken the vaccine. And we even had hydrochloroquine. Um, we got that in advance. I stopped taking it. I didn't like the way it made me feel. My wife took it as preventative, and uh, she still ended up getting it. But it was finally a script that my wife got uh, for, and it's called ivermectin. And apparently a lot of the doctors are using that to treat COVID patients, and it just changed her world. She was able to lose the headaches, no more nausea, go to get some sleep. It was great. And they've actually, in Florida, they've actually started Regeneron, uh, which is a COVID antibody treatment center. So they've got all over the state of Florida now, thanks to our uh, governor, Ron DeSantis. Um, so I thought I would just throw that out there for people who are watching the show, who, because a lot of people I talk to are, are, are like me, even though I think most people on the show, uh, maybe absent Andrea, um, are doing the vaccine thing. Um, I respect everybody's opinion to do the vaccine. And a lot of people have like, conditions or concerns they have but don't get it because you don't think you're going to get the the uh, the virus because it does not prevent you from getting the virus and it doesn't prevent you from transmitting the virus to somebody else so if you have a loved one and you're getting vaccinated because you don't want to transmit it to them <laughs> you better have a different plan um are there any comments from anybody on on the show i just wanted to get that kind of information out there on what you can do if you're watching the show and you are having a bad experience and you're going through these telemeds like my wife and i were for her and she couldn't get any help or relief. Um, and I see, uh, Brett, your mic's open, so go ahead, brother. Well, I got I got my vaccine back in March, because, you know, if you boil out all the crap, you know, if they tell me if I get this vaccine, I'll, I can avoid this disease, I'm gonna take it, because, you know, I've got some background issues, and, you know, I got all the other stuff. So, from, and, and I've got some grandkids who are immunodeficient. So that's what they told us. We got the vaccine. Later on, they tell us, well, you can have it, but now you can still, you can still get it. And you can still, so what? Okay. And then you wear the mask and they say, well, unless you wear this certain mask, you know, and these people wear the same mask over and over again. So if, they, if they've got it and it's on the mask, they take it to wherever they're going to go. So I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, except it's such a hot, uh, contentious topic that, that, that end up. So the political end of it is, is really superseding the, the medical end of it. And, and, and I, I don't like being told what to do, but I've gotten vaccines for different things. Um, plus, there was that one medical condition, Chip. We'll talk about that later on. You remember. Um, yeah. That burning sensation when you urinate? Yeah, yeah. They, yeah they used to call it the clap. I don't know anymore, but we'll talk about that later on. Right. Well, you know, Randy, I see your mic's open, Randy. Uh, you know, 50% of the people who, uh, who have had the virus had had zero symptoms and, uh, and most of them don't even know they even had it. So, um, so based off of that is what I made my decision on not to get, you know, vaccinated, uh, go ahead, Lieutenant. And, and uh, I know we got major Ron logging in, but go ahead, Lieutenant. Uh, I also had COVID. Um, I, I got it early on actually. And, um, I, I barely knew that I had it. I felt, uh, I had to take a nap in the afternoon and I lost some sense of, of uh, taste and smell and that was it um and now that you know from what i've heard there's once you have it you have the antibodies to not get it again so um i'm not going to get the vaccination but i'm traveling to new york at the end of the week and of course that's like nazi germany now so i don't know if i'm going to even be able to i'm going to be able to eat but i I, re I heard i saw a meme that was phenomenal i think it really summed it up well um you you need you need to show your papers uh, to get a, um, a ham sandwich, but you don't need to show your papers to vote, or to come into the country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. 
Good point. Um, yeah, interesting stuff. Uh, Corporal David, we got three minutes. Yeah, um, just two things. Um, I I'm surprised that when your wife started taking ivermectin, you didn't get you didn't suddenly get sick and die, you know, because ivermectin is for parasite infestation. So that would have been a bad thing for you with her taking that. I'm just saying. Other than that, on to Randy's point, I mean, come on, brother. Taking a nap in, a nap in the afternoon, is is that, a, is like, that like a bad thing now? I, I thought we were <laughs> kind of all up on that anyways. Um, but, yes, I, I did, uh, after pressure from those around me, got the one-and-done Johnson & Johnson uh, vaccine. Uh, uh, but like Chip has said and Randy said, and we see if, if you are a, if you just look at the evidence and the things that are going on, these alleged experts that in the beginning said one thing and now they're saying something else and now you're gonna have to have a booster. Now, well, the vaccine is only partly, well, you can still get it and on and on and on as things continue to evolve and change. Don't come toward me with another needle. You better bring a lot of people. That's all, that's, that's all I can tell you because that's, that's not gonna happen again. And with all the other crap with the vaccines and whatnot, yeah, no, no thanks. All right. Thanks, Corporal. All right, we have Andrea and Ron. We've got two minutes left. Go ahead, guys. Go ahead, Ronnie. Well, <clears throat> I grew up taking all kind of vaccines, so taking a vaccine is not foreign to me. So I didn't have that big issue. I understand how, you know, young women may or young people may have an issue taking it, and it hasn't been approved by the FDA, whatever, right now. I mean, I get that. But to Randy's point, um, I have a buddy from New York who has a business here. He went back to New York uh, several months ago, and he had to prove, show proof that he'd had the vaccine. He didn't have the card, and he didn't have this, and then we're going to let him out of the airport. So be careful with that. I'm not sure how it's going now, but odd bait and fry. Work makes freedom, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Major. Okay, Andrew Casale. Real quick, obviously, I'm unvaccinated, but, um, you know, the Pentagon today was they were putting out a report that now FDA is um, approving Pfizer and they put out a through uh, trendingpolitics.com. It says the Food and Drug Administration granted Pfizer and Biotech full U.S. approval of their covid vaccine. This is interesting, though, because it says becoming the first in the U.S. to win the coveted designation the first in the U.S. to win the coveted designation and giving even more businesses, schools and universities greater confidence to adopt vaccine mandates. So why are we doing this? Are we doing this so that we can make the schools have to, you know, vaccinate, make sure the students are vaccinated? We're not getting vaccinated. That's a family choice. I understand and respect why people do it, but I do have an autoimmune compromised child and um, we've, we've made that a family decision and he, he will not get it. I know he will not get it. Until right. mandated, of course. Thanks, Andrea. All right, guys, perfect timing. Let's uh, let's take a commercial break. We'll be right back. We'll be right back after this commercial break.
right, so I want to talk to you guys about bridging the gap in police community relations with knowyourforce.com. Now, knowyourforce.com, they allow agencies to get real-time feedback so they can make informed decisions in areas like budget and training. Now, agencies can gain access to Know Your Force engineers that actually mold a solution for them. Now, 90% of Leo interactions on their platform have been positive or had a peaceful resolution, and they can actually guarantee that they will not damage your community relations. So two of the largest departments in Utah, Orm PD and Box Elder SO, they actually use their, plot, their platform, and you can go to knowyourforce.com slash Leo to request more information. And also, GALS. And uh, you remember back in the day, it was GALS Law Enforcement Supply. Uh, they currently do everything but really guns and ammo. And we're big fans of GALS. GALS is a supporter of the show. Um, they're actually uh, supporters of what uh, Randy's going to be talking about shortly uh, in uh, Las Vegas with the Wounded Blue. And uh, they provide discounts to law enforcement. If you go to their site, I, I mean, they've always got like 10 to 25% off of different products, and it's really a great resource. So, guys, uh, please check out Galls.com. Welcome back to Leo Roundtable. Uh, Captain Brett, is there something you wanted to throw on to the uh, the last one that you wanted to throw in there before we move on? Uh, well, just mention the goals. I called them today. I had a gift card, and it turns out it was just for the in-store, and we don't live anywhere near there. So I got on the phone, and they were very kind. They took that gift card uh, in-store, and they tr they changed it over to a, a, a useful web card, and the lady spent a lot of time getting that done, so I was able to support her some cool stuff today and they took good care of me on the phone. So when that stuff comes in, I'll let you know. All right, cool. Yeah, I know you want to rub it in our face, won't you? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Captain. All right. Um, if there's nobody else, let's uh, go to our uh, first update. And, you know, um, Randy Sutton got with uh, some of the members of the panelists, and uh, there's a, a I guess, a case that's kind of close to his heart. I'm just going to go in and touch on it. It's a case against a former La Mesa, uh, California police officer, Matthew uh, Degas, and he was accused of following a, a false police report. But a lot of the stuff that's going on with him, which seems like it's pretty political, involves a uh, felony uh, car chase. And, and, there were, and this guy um, had marijuana on him, too. And apparently, the district attorney dropped all the charges against the bad guy. I mean, they didn't charge him for the felony uh, pursuit, the, the fleeing, and, and for the drugs. And I think his name, it's something, it was, last name is Johnson. I think the bad guy's first name, it might be Lamar is what it sounded like. Now, I know that uh, Christina... Uh, Degas, um, that's his wife, the police officer's wife. She actually appeared on a news interview. Um, and uh, and Randy, I tell you, I'd love to have her on our show. Our hits would go up. You know, very pretty, but very well spoken and taken up for her husband. And I noticed that it said that she's the wife of the former uh, police officer. So I guess at some point during this, you know, that he had lost his job. But uh, Lieutenant Randy, can you add any any more information on that for us? This is this is a true case of corruption. Uh, political corruption that that is victimizing Matthew Davis. Matthew is a, a decorated police officer with La Mesa. He was assigned to um, a an assignment where uh, people were were hanging out in the trolley park, and they were if you didn't have a permit, you weren't supposed to be there. He confronted somebody, this this Amari guy, and um, he was uh, uh, he got and Amari got in his face, pushed him pushed his hand, and so 
and somebody took a video of him take, putting him down. He, and all he did, all the officer did, was push him so that he went down and sat and said, "You, you, you better, you better knock that off." Well, <clears throat> that did it. He arrested him, and then that because because of that viral video, riots started all over the city, and the city burned as a result of that. Now, Davis was cleared by the use of force board of the department. He didn't do anything wrong. But the city demanded that, actually, they called him in, and they offered him $500,000 to resign, okay? He said, I didn't do anything wrong. I'm not resigning. So what the city government did is absolutely incredible. They went out and hired a former FBI agent, shocking, to find him to do an investigation and then find him basically uh, that he that he used excessive force. And they used that to terminate him. And then they used, so he fought it and they told, and he, and he denied uh, taking, I mean, he wouldn't take the $500,000 bribe. They then went to the district attorney and they, and they said he falsified the report over some wording that he used. And that's what the district attorney is now prosecuting him on. That's everything they're hanging their hat on is a couple words in the report, which and and this is it's already it's already proven that he didn't lie about anything because there are other videos that came out. So this is this is only about politics. Now the, his wife Christina, she we will have her on the show. She'll be happy to come on. But if if I ever get in trouble, I want this woman behind me too. Because she is a tiger, and she the, the injustice happening here. I've talked to Matthew. I've talked to her. It is destroying him. This guy's a good cop. He did nothing wrong, but they're but they they are literally a conspiracy against him by the by the mayor and council of this city and the district attorney of San Diego. So this is something that is that is absolutely unconscionable, and this is corruption. At its finest. So, um, they, and then, and then, of course, in order to protect this guy Amari, who, who three months uh, prior, uh, after this he was arrested the first time, of course, they dropped the charges against him. Then he leaves him on a, a, a felony car chase, and they're and they're protecting him. So this is this is stunning, stunning stuff, and it shows you what the war on cops truly is. Well. Lieutenant, I, I'm for one. I'm glad you've championed this cause, and I, I you know, I'm I'm glad you're involved. We we definitely want to be involved in this and help justice, you know, help justice occur, but also prevent it from happening to other people. I know that, I know that's what he's thinking right now. Uh, when you got good cops that get screwed, they just want to make sure and you know that it doesn't happen to anybody else. Because if it can happen to them, I, I'm I'm glad that he's got a supportive wife because uh, you know, having been through the ringer, you know, myself. It, it, it's tough. It's tough on a marriage. I mean, you, you, now he's out of a, he, he's out of a job at least right now. So, uh, so I'm glad he's got you on his side. It, it is really it's it's heartbreaking to see um, a machine chew up an honest cop. Now you know they wouldn't have offered him a half a million dollars to just go away if right. he had done anything wrong. And then they go out and they and they pay hired guns after the guy is cleared by the real cops 
to find him guilty, if you will. It is, it is really everything that is wrong in politics has happened to this guy. Well, I can't wait to cover this and to uh, and to see what we're able to uh, to accomplish, you know, together on this. So, um, thank, thanks for bringing this to our attention, and I hope our our users do too. And we'll keep you guys informed on what you can do and actually help this cause. Hey, guys, uh, let's take another commercial break. We'll be right back. Take a moment and tell you guys about our friends at Extra Duty Solutions. Inefficiencies that can negatively affect your staff's production and morale as well as your agency's reputation. With proper oversight, your agency's extra duty off duty employment program it can actually be profitable. Now, while you still control your program, Extra Duty Solutions, they administer at no cost to your agency and they take on all the administrative burden and the financial risk. They keep the program fair and transparent. The officers most eligible to work the assignments, they get first crack at them. And also they paid out over $50 million in extra duty work over the past. 12 months. You can visit them today at extradutysolutions.com. Also, the Verdian Fact Duty weapon-mounted camera has become the only gun camera and wide use by law enforcement across the country. It fits standard police duty weapons and holsters, and it also records automatically as soon as the officer's gun is pulled from the holster, which provides an unobstructed view of critical use of force events from the end of the firearm, overcoming inherent issues with body cams. Now, the Fact Duty, that's the F-A-C-T Duty, it has a 1080p definition digital camera. I'll get that right, David. It has a microphone, a 500 lumen tactical light. It is also less expensive at data management costs than other evidentiary camera systems. You can get more information on the fact duty by going to gun-camera.com. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show. Yeah, producer Will, I need you to uh, clean up that little tongue-tight thing that I got stuck on, man. Make me look like a champ on that thing. Yeah, I, I knew you. I know you would do it for Randy, but he just never makes mistakes like that, you know. So, uh, yeah, but anyhow, hey, Randy, go ahead and uh, unmute your mic. I'd love for you to tell our users, and, and they they may have heard you say it before, but give them the update on the Wounded Blue and uh, tell them what they're going to be missing out on if they don't participate in Las Vegas coming up in October. Oh, this is, it's amazing. So the Wounded Blue, of course, is the National Assistance and Support Organization for Injured and Disabled Officers. Um, in October, we have an amazing training event called the Law Enforcement Survival Summit. Three days of the best presenters in the country on every aspect of surviving a law enforcement career, physically, tactically, emotionally, spiritually, your relationships. It's really going to be top-notch. And at the end of it, on, on uh, Saturday night, we have the Brothers in Blue Bash, the largest celebration of law enforcement unity and pride in America. So the the bash is completely sold out. But the summit, if you get if you go into the summit, you automatically get a ticket to the bash. Uh, and this is going to be some of the best entertainment, unlike any police training conference ever devised. Because I'm creating it, and it's going to be so much fun, and it's going to have so much um, material in it. Um, I was just at the FOP conference with uh, Major Ron. And uh, and what 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 happens in in uh, Indianapolis stays in Indianapolis. But uh, I, we we had we had a ton of interest in uh, 
in this event, and a lot of people signed up right there. So if you're law enforcement or retired law enforcement, you want to come to this summit, go to thewoundedblue.org. And also September 11th in Tampa or St. Petersburg, the Great American Pickleball event is taking place at Ferg's. And it is going to be a ton of fun. If you play pickleball, you want to be part of this. Go to uh, my, my Wounded Blue website and you'll see information about it. And it's going to be a ton of fun. If you're a pickleball player, you want to be part of this. We're trying to get a million pickleball players together on September 11th to support our officers. And, and I'll, I'll be there. I think some people from the show are going to be there, too, with you, Randy. So I'm looking forward to that. Now, uh, we got a bunch of mics with people wearing your shirts. You're talking and Ron's trying to show his shirt on, on, on line while you're talking. So go yeah, ahead, Doug. I just, I just want to know, like, if you don't can't make the event, where do they go to buy your shirts, Randy? I mean, you know. Yeah. This one's yeah. a, smed a medium, but, you know, I don't know. What size. <laughs> <laughs> our cool shirts and our mugs like this right here. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, you go to the website, thewoundedblue.org, and hit the shop button, and it takes you to our partner, Relentless Defender, who makes our shirts, and they got great stuff, and uh, they are cool. All right. Speaking Perfect. of cool, speaking of cool, Captain Brett Bartlett. I uh, just want to let you know, I just sent an email to La Mesa government and the police chief saying, on behalf of every cop everywhere, F you. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> you know, I, I saw, I saw uh, Brett at a gig uh, yesterday and he takes, he had two shirts. He took a shirt off his first shirt to show me the shirt underneath, which of course was the wounded blue shirt that he was wearing. Yeah. So oh, he, yeah. He that one too. yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, thanks guys. But then, hey, I, uh, but then I kept going and it got awkward. Yeah, we won't talk about that. All right, hey, let's cover this video. It's on thinbluelinetv.com and krqe.com uh, as well. Um, New Mexico police officer escapes an ambush, continues high-speed pursuit. Pretty wild video. I, I really didn't see, see it on other sources like I normally do. It was just on Thin Blue Line TV and, of course, covered by the, by the uh, news station. But uh, earlier this month in downtown Silver City, an officer pulled over a driver named Ruben DeLeo, and he, uh, he had a, uh, a Chevy Suburban, um, and he pulled him over on that after running the plate and seeing that the guy had no insurance. So before the officer had a chance to uh, to really deal with this bad guy, uh, the Silver City Police Officer Stephen uh, Laramore runs for cover behind a parked car, and he calls it in because this guy, when he walks up to the driver's uh, door and the window's down, the guy just produces a gun and starts shooting at him. So the officer jumps back um, into this uh, melee here, um, and more Silver City officers are immediately jumping into the action, too. This guy is hauling butt from cops, and they, he's going up the speeds of 100 miles an hour. Now, remember, he's in a Chevy Suburban, so you can't stop those things. And uh, anyhow, uh, Laramore takes a shortcut to get back into the chase because, he's remember, he's the guy that got shot at originally, and uh, this bad guy drives by him, and he starts shooting at him again. Um, it says that um, police say he fired, um, fired up more shots at officers as they trail him on the highway. One officer returns fire from his window, and it looked like that guy was shooting with an AR. Uh, so DeLeo, or bad guy, pulls over on the highway less than half an hour later and gives up. I guess he thought that maybe they were going to end up uh, you know, making contact with the bullets there. So this 36-year-old bad guy, uh, he told police he had just um, gotten high before the traffic stop, and so now he's charged with attempted murder. So, uh, wild, wild video, and it's the first one we're covering. Guys, any comments on that? 
I tell you, it wasn't a whole lot of time for the cop to react when he went to the driver's window of the uh, Suburban. Comment? Nobody? Yeah, I've mean, got, got, got something. Um, so that that car stop that he made, that he attempted, uh, that, that led to all this, would no longer be allowed in uh, the state of Washington uh, because okay. of the new laws that they that they uh, that they just uh, put forth. Also, in, in many cities in California and other places like Minneapolis, where they are, where the city councils or the government has now decreed that the police can no longer stop vehicles or attempt to stop vehicles for quote minor offenses unquote. And this is part of the erosion of the criminal justice system all across America. Thanks, Lieutenant. All right, Major Ron. Yeah, I agree with you, Randy. <clears throat> you just try to figure out how many times uh, a traffic stop led to the arrest of a serial killer. You know, how many times a traffic stop led to bank robbers and, and you know, raper, rapists and so on and so forth. Uh, that's just crazy. The erosion is true and it's a real deal, real thing. What's sad is, the, that guy saying, oh, I just got high and I did all that. It doesn't shock me that he might get off. They're like, ah, well, he was high. He didn't mean to. You know, that wouldn't shock me. And that's the point I'm making. But this should be a video that you show to the public and all your little public, um, like, um, public academies or whatever. So they see what, what really goes on, what real police work is, and uh, how, how one has to react to a garbage like this. And uh, if there's true cold stone cold murderers they would have killed that man whether he gave up or not and they didn't thanks major okay. major I, I have a question for you major ron mm -hmm. is a uh, is a raper a combination of a of a rapper and a rapist or yeah. what's a raper? <laughs> hey uh hey uh producer will can you hook me up and clean me up too since uh you know i know i know chip i know chip has that privilege that inane privilege oh. but can you help his brother out producer will oh wow Oh, yeah, I'm and I'm starving, so I'm eating potato chips. So y'all talk about me later. Don't worry. All right, we see you licking your fingers in between in between yeah, episodes. Yeah, we'll know. All right, uh, thanks, guys. Let's see. Moving along here, we've got video number two. I, I I couldn't help but throw this in as number as number two. We've got less than two minutes left before our next break. Uh, but it's on YouTube. There's a channel called This Is Butter Newport Man tasered by Gwent police in a standoff. Now, Lewis Williams, he was shot with a stun gun. Um, apparently, it sounded like twice, uh, when a firearms unit was deployed uh, to a house in the uh, in the uh, Basileg area of Newport, which is in the South Wales. So prosecutor Paul Hewitt plays this footage that they caught on body cam, and you really, the, the accent of the cop makes the video but the defendant was tasered as he's walking towards police officers during this incident that happened october 19th of 2019 and he's 25 years old and uh so um he pled guilty to public disorder and failing to surrender so it's just kind of like a disorder thing i saw somewhere where the guy might have had a weapon but just the plant that he made when he was tasered i figured brett alone would really appreciate that it had everything but the sound of the melon cracking on the concrete brett i don't know what do you think well, the taser has a has a kind of a language when it sends out a <laughs> electricity, and the message is, lock your body up. And he listened to the message because he he couldn't get any straighter when he fell off. And I, and I, I I didn't laugh, but I chortled just a little. <laughs> okay, you got to love that. All right, guys, is there anybody else on this one before we go to the next? All right.
then uh, let's see what we got here. I've only got about uh, 10 seconds or so, but we're going to be talking about sovereign citizens. It's on Police One. There's a lawsuit against the Massachusetts State Police, but it was dismissed. So you guys will want to hear about that. Hey, uh, let's take another commercial break. We'll be right back. Talk about industry leader in technology solutions for law enforcement is Guardian Alliance Technologies. Now, they have software that will cut background investigators' time in half. Now, we all know that there's a call for more accountability in who we hire and who we select who gets to wear the badge. Now, Guardian has developed a CJIS-compliant background investigative software platform that helps weed out problematic applicants in record time. And with Guardian, the entire background check process, it's more comprehensive, but it's also much faster for both the agency and the applicants. No upfront fees or long-term commitments. I strongly recommend that you visit them today at GuardianAllianceTechnologies.com. Also, no matter how much you know about guns and ammunition or think that you do, uh, there's that knowledge gap that leaves you confused and missing the complete picture. GunLearn.com, they've taken the confusion out of learning and they've made it easy. GunLearn.com, it's the first and only company that offer a step-by-step program that takes you from your present knowledge level to become a safe, accurate, and competent certified firearm specialist. They provide citations from federal law and APF rulings for every point taught to ensure accuracy, and their training is approved by major forensic organizations, law enforcement agencies, and firearm manufacturers. Since 1996, they've taught everything that Leos need to know about firearms and ammunition to all facets of law enforcement. You can start today with online training or register to attend a live seminar. You can get, also get free training for yourself and the personnel of your agency by hosting a free seminar at no cost. So come aboard as one of the most firearm knowledgeable people in the world by joining the folks at GunLearn.com. All right, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show, and uh, and guys, and, and getting ready to talk about the sovereign citizens. I, I see that Brett wants to interject here. Um, this is our last stretch, so at the end of this, it'll be the end of the first half of the show. So we'll end on whatever topic that we uh, that we're talking about at the time. Captain Brett, the floor is yours. Well, I think in the words of Ward Mytheler, these people are just they were so ridiculous, and they give us normal gun owners a bad name. But in this article, the judge says. They did not even remotely state a defamation claim, and you don't, you don't hear that very often. And it just proves the point. I've been hearing this my whole life. When you defend yourself in court, you have a fool for an attorney. All right. Well, I guess I don't have to read through the article because you just kind of did it for me, Brett. But uh, but no, let me just touch on it here. Uh, we're in Providence. Uh, federal judge dismissed this lawsuit brought by the Rise of the Moors. Kind of sounds like a, a catchy movie title. Accusing the Massachusetts State Police and various news organizations of defamation and discrimination, like Brett just said, over their arrest following an armed standoff. And yes, you heard me correctly, armed standoff. So U.S. District Court Chief Judge John McConnell Jr., gotta love this guy, on Tuesday, he he throws out this lawsuit that was uh, brought on by the self-described Moorish American National Organization, and 10 of the men arrested 
in the roadside encounter. He found that federal courts are barred under a longstanding policy and court precedent from interfering in state court proceedings. Now, federal courts must abstain from preventing the state from carrying out the important necessary task of enforcing laws against socially harmful conduct the state believes in good faith to be punishable under its laws and the Constitution. And so McConnell actually wrote this, and he cited this 1971 ruling. So the ruling puts an end to this lawsuit that alleges defamation, discrimination based on national origin, and deprivation of their rights under the color of law against Massachusetts State Police and the judge overseeing their criminal cases, Malden District Court Judge Emily uh, Karstetter. Uh, so they also th threw her in the mix in various other media outlets. The Rise of the Moors, the group's leader, uh, Jamal Talib Abdullah Bey, also known as Jamal Lattimore, uh, and nine other men arrested in the July 3rd standoff. They argued that they were just exercising their Second Amendment rights, Brett, their right to keep and bear arms, and their inalienable right to have a well-regulated militia. So um, I, I don't know if, if any of your kinsmen, Brett, are part of this group or not, but it would sure make the story a little bit more interesting. I know. I see the hand. I'm not pulling the finger, though. Uh, Corporal David. <laughs> yeah, to, to Brett's point, I— I would, I would encourage anyone out there to be involved in a group, whatever that group is, that whose primary focus or function or, or drive is to protect and expand and, and be part of Second Amendment protections and the, the right to bear arms, all that kind of great stuff. I do. But as Brett said, what a, what a bunch of I mean, they, they were this two, <laughs> group of guys in two vans that had to refuel on the side of the road, it says, because they didn't want to alarm the public because they were all wearing camouflage helmets and body armor and carrying weapons. Now, were, were they on their way to a, a party, a get-together, a, a social event of some sort? I mean, what, what would prompt you to, to be dressed like that, all geared up, in two vans, going up 95 on the, and then have to stop and refuel on the side of the road? I, the whole picture is, is almost, it's that comical, what the heck? is? You can see the trooper pulling up on this going, what the heck is going on here? Um, it, so it's, you look at this stuff and you kind of go, you people are just stupid. But <laughs> I, it, it's it's fascinating to see some of this stuff, this, this stupidity. Yeah, beautiful. Now, now, Brett, I'm surprised you didn't open your mic because, you know, David didn't just say stupid. He said stupid. You know, he took <laughs> the inflection that you use when you use the word and he stole it from you. No, I no. You used the inflection in front of our CIB secretary years ago, <laughs> almost prompting you to get a butt whooping. Well, that is true. That's another that's a story for a different day, I think. But OK. All right. Thanks, guys. Excellent commentary. Hey, um, I am on uh, Freep, uh, F-R-E-E-P.com. Everything you need to know about the chip shortage that's plaguing automakers. You know, I uh, I got so frustrated over this week. Um, you know, I, I don't see this stuff in the news, although I know it sporadically appears like maybe on Fox or something, a lot of people. But I mean, I'm talking to people this weekend that have that have no idea of the new car shortage or the plight that we're in and that it might last another year, year and a half, or and that's just projections. I mean, who really knows? So um, there are tens of thousands of new vehicles that are currently sitting in parking lots awaiting semiconductor chips before they can be shipped to dealers. Now, the chips I'm talking about, they're part of a $3 trillion global tech economy. 
Um, the raw materials come from Japan and Mexico, but the chips are actually made in Taiwan and China, and a small number of them are made in the U.S. The shortage is a result of the COVID-19 pandemic because that increased demand for personal electronics, you know, like uh, laptops, computers, and iPads, and phones, and that kind of stuff. And now there's a bottleneck in the manufacturing process. The chip deficit, because remember, supply and demand, and we've got a lot more need than the supply that exists now. It's now worse because there was actually a fire at one of the chip plants that was in the, that was in Japan. So this could continue, like I just mentioned, for a year to a year and a half. And of course, I'm sure I'm thinking it could get extended because when I went to the Cadillac dealership with my mom to get her to get a new Cadillac, and of course there's no new Cadillacs at the Cadillac dealership, they thought maybe it'd be cleared up within six months. And of course that hasn't happened yet, and that was about six months ago. So new vehicle supplies are at all time low. The cost of used vehicles is actually skyrocketing. So if I want to get a new vehicle now, I, I can't, I mean, it's extremely difficult to find one. And of course the prices are jacked up. If I want to get a used car, those prices are off the chart as well. Um, if, if you have a car and you want to sell it, now would be the time if it's used. But of course, good luck with getting anything to replace it. And it, it um, here's a, a quote from Joe McCabe, CEO of Auto Forecast Solutions, LLC saying that the chip shortage has demonstrated our, meaning America's exposure to a limited domestic production capacity to the point where it's turned into an issue of national security, which is kind of scary. And, uh, and, and not to be a Trump beater, but you, you gotta know that if, if he was our president, we would already uh, be having mass manufacturing and guys uh, you know, changing their plants around to fix this issue. So it wasn't gonna be an issue anymore. Uh, we got uh, about three minutes left, Corporal David. I was wondering why we were covering this story, and then you gave it away because you couldn't buy your mom a Cadillac. I, I <laughs> knew there was a reason. I knew there was a reason. I couldn't figure out what it was, and there, then you gave it up. That's beautiful. I, I, that's it. <laughs> I just, that's it. Chip and his cars. That's all you guys need to know. You can't, you can't get a new car, so he's butthurt, and now he's mad at the chip <laughs> Well, my mom's going to end up buying her, buying her, uh, her two or three-year-old Cadillac, whatever, no big deal. I've actually got a vehicle that's got over 100,000 miles on it. I love, I love my Jeep. However, it's just not dependable anymore. I would like to get a, a new vehicle, a Jeep or something else. However, I mean, I'm in a, in a quandary now because, uh, you know, I, I, I can't do that. But, uh, but the main thing that bothers me is that people are not, most people that I run into are not even aware of the situation. They're just clueless. Unless you've gone to buy a new car, um, most people just don't know. Uh, Captain Brett. Uh, first, I find there's some uh, coincidence that chip production is down and your name is Chip. So there's a relationship there. <laughs> Secondly, when it comes to the Jeep, I told you the other day I saw you, buy a flatbed wrecker, keep your Jeep on it, and just drive the truck around. You're going to save a lot of, lot of trouble. Hey, they don't make Jeep commanders anymore, so it's going to be hard. But yes, yeah, you may be right. All right. If, there, if there's nobody else, I've got uh, about a minute and a half left here before um, our next one. So let me pick a, a short one because uh, we've only got, you know, we're going to have to end on the topic. Uh, we're on policeone.com, San Francisco DA. They sue three ghost gun makers. Now, of course, we're talking San Francisco. Um, ATF Dan O'Kelly's not on the show this evening, but San Francisco's district attorney said on Wednesday that he's suing three California companies that make and distribute ghost guns. The untraceable build-it-yourself weaponry that accounted for nearly half the firearms that have been recovered in gun killings in the city last year. Now, remember, I'm reading for this article, but you'll recognize some of these names. District Attorney uh, Chesa Bowden announced a lawsuit at a news conference. Um, the suit comes 
I, I guess it names Blackhawk Manufacturing Group, GS Performance, and MDX Corporation. These three companies who are not based in San Francisco, but they're responsible for producing, uh, I guess, a large share of the firearms that they're actually finding in the city and elsewhere in the state. Now, uh, Bowdoin's lawsuit um, is coming around. The criticism over its response to rising crime rates and a wave of anti-Asian violence that's going on in the city. Um, critics say the city's most powerful law enforcement officer is intolerably lenient, particularly toward those responsible for rampant theft, drug abuse, and street crimes. And critics say that he's a progressive who ran on police reform, but he's repeat repeatedly declined to file charges in cases where the perpetrators went on to commit more serious crimes. Uh, guys, we got 15 seconds. Um, Brett Bartlett, it's yours. They're following the law. The law is this. If you make a gun in your own state, it doesn't need a serial number. If it crosses the state lines, then it does. If they got a problem, get with ATF, get with the U.S. legislators. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Well, guys, that wraps up the first half of our show. Um, I think we've only got one radio station that carries uh, the first hour only. And, of course, it's a really a two-hour show for radio. It's a 90-minute show, but two hours uh, for radio. So look, if you're listening to us on radio and you're only getting the first hour, please tell them to please, please add that second hour. And guys, uh, we'll be right back with the second half. Welcome back to the Legal Roundtable Show, the second half of the show. And we are currently on policeone.com and thinbluelinetv.com. There is a video associated with this. And guys, look, when I talk videos, you may be listening to us on the podcast or on radio. And if you want to watch these videos, obviously during a, our live show, we just simply don't have the time to uh, to show these videos. And, and it's really too many things can go wrong with that. However, on our Facebook page, which is at Leo Roundtable, I've got the itinerary of everything we talk about, links to all the articles, to all the videos. So simply go to our Facebook page. Also, um, Tuesday through Saturday, the next five days of the week after our live show, producer Will, he splits our 90-minute live show up in the five segments. He embeds all the videos that we're talking about, pictures of all the good and bad guys, too. Makes for a great way to watch the show as well. So on this one, NYPD body cam captures a point-blank Bronx shootout. Um, so dramatic video released by the NYPD shows a Bronx cop extra, or exchanging fire with a gunman from no more than just a few feet away. Officer uh, Levelin. Alvarez, he actually avoids getting hit in the May 19th incident. The suspect, who's Calvin uh, Peterkin, 39 years old, he actually gets away despite being shot three times. So, uh, I mean, the good news here is that at least the cops were able to hit him three times. Now, Peterkin, um, you know, he's the um, the bad guy. He served a state prison time for robbery, was later nabbed and charged with attempted murder, gun possession, and menacing. Alvarez and his partner, Officer Imran, Ali, uh, they were both in uniform. They confronted uh, Petterkin after someone called 911 to report a guy that had a gun inside a Boost mobile store. In the video um, that we're talking about, it shows our bad guy inside the show, uh, inside the store minutes earlier, threatening an employee with a gun, is trying to get him to calm down. When the cops get there, uh, Petterkin comes out of the store in the entranceway. And I don't know, the cops really don't get a good hold of them, and they let him, you know, give, uses the gab to get away. And uh, anyhow, he kind of runs away from them. So he's just saying, I didn't, I didn't do anything. He darts across the street, disappears behind a parked uh, Mr. Softy truck. And, uh, and uh, Ali gave chase. Alvarez runs to the front of the truck. 
cutting off the gunman, and then our cop says, put it down, put it down. But instead, the guy ends up firing twice at him with a 9-millimeter handgun. So no more than three feet away, our cop fires five times at the shooter, hits him three times, and that's kind of the way that it ends. They uh, they find the bad guy five days later, take him to the, uh, he still had his gunshots, he needed to be treated, and uh, he was shot in the left arm, right hand, and grazed in the chest. So uh, he's still alive. So Lieutenant Sutton, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm hesitant to, to criticize, especially in, in critical incidents, but the, um, the initial response to a man with a gun call, um, they didn't even have their weapons out. And the, the, the kind of the lackadaisical way that they approached this guy and didn't even, I mean, the, the, the one officer wasn't even, didn't even have his eyes on him when when they were doing the approach, and it was just a uh, they they lost control very very quickly because of in my in my estimation a lack of assertive response that would have been appropriate use of force immediately upon confronting this subject, and I think that could have led to what we saw, and this could have this could have turned really really bad. We could have had another police funeral. We could have had uh, um, uh, citizens injured, and I and I really think that if they had if they had used the force that they that they should have used at the very outset, this whole incident might have gone a whole different way. Mm. Thanks, Lieutenant. All right, mm. Corporal Dave. Mm. <laughs> How ironic! There was a Mister Softy truck on the street uh, at this <laughs> incident. How ironic! Um, yeah, Randy might not want to criticize, but I will. Um, these these two cops from New York, I mean, and, and we know uh, New York is is gone. The police department there is is a shadow of its former self. They've lost themselves. They they are gone. Um, so the response here was absolutely pathetic and horrid. You have a guy that's been you've told has been seen with a gun threatening a, another person, and these guys walk up to him like he's you know, a, 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 a nothing, a misdemeanor of some sort. The, the one cop, as Randy said, doesn't even have his eyes on him. He's kind of half holding him in the doorway, looking at his partner who's on the radio saying some garbage to, uh, to, to dispatch. The guy pushes past him and takes off running. And then the foot pursuit starts. He runs around the Mr. Softy truck. And, they, and they, the one cop engages him on the other side from a, from a span of three feet and misses him. Hits him in the arm, the hand, and grazes him. Thank God the cop didn't get shot. I, God bless him. And then they, they can't even run him down. So, again, New York has lost itself. The police department there, the public safety there, whatever you want to call it. It's not really public safety anymore. I don't know what you want to call it, but it, they've lost themselves. That's, and that's, this is just another example that we see continuously from, from videos coming from there in these critical incidents where it is obvious that they have lost themselves. Thanks, Corporal. All right, Andrea. Uh, I just don't know how um, Officer Alvarez, I don't know how he didn't get hit. I think that this one was hard for me to watch. I watched it multiple times. Um, I think that the whole point is they didn't get control from the beginning. They never, they, they just did not control the situation. Um, I, I think that there's probably a lot of, you know, that in New York going on right now. I think they're probably afraid to react, to, afraid to act. And I think that you're going to see more and more of that. But I mean, I had a hard time watching it. I don't know how 
they didn't get it under control from the beginning, but then I don't know how you lose them. Um, I, I think that this is just one of those things you're going to see more and more of it, unfortunately, in New York. And I, I think that he should be going to church every day because he should be very thankful that he didn't, you know, leave in a coffin from that call. I, it's, it's unfortunate. Thanks, Andrea. All right, guys. Good input. Hey, I, I want to go in and mention that, you know, I gave a challenge uh, last week and then a couple of weeks before that, too. And that was to submit your agency on the uh, knowyourforce.com slash Leo um, link. And, uh, you know, MBS, uh, Mike MBS uh, did that. And so, uh, Mike, appreciate you doing that. And uh, if, if I'm missing anyone else, um, please uh, send me a note, you know, chip the block at gmail.com or, uh, or give me a post and let me know that you've submitted it. Uh, but MVS, I think uh, you're the uh, the first guy uh, to do that. And uh, but I can't see all the listings, you know, at least through my interface, you know, on that. So uh, so thanks, guys. Hey, um, moving along here. Let's see what our next one is here. We've got another video. Police one dot com Two Leo's shot while trying to contact suspect in shooting of a California deputy. Now, there's two articles with this because the first one's got a video associated with it. And uh, yeah, it's a um, it's an ambush. So we're in Los Angeles in L.A., but we have two San Bernardino police officers. And this is the second really the second half of what happens Two San Bernardino police officers actually get shot on Wednesday afternoon because they're trying to make contact with a man who suspected of shooting a county sheriff's deputy, which happened the day before, which is what we have video of. So shots were fired as SWAT officers tried to contact the suspect. Um, who the two lawmen were hit by with gunfire. The suspect, um, who has not been identified, was also hit, and he died at the scene. So we have some street justice that went on, and uh, the officers were being treated um, inside. Uh, well, this all happened inside the uh, San Bernardino city limits. Um, so that's why, even though the sheriff's office was initially involved, San Bernardino city, uh, they were doing the investigation. Uh, the deputy, uh, where this all originated at, he was called in, um, I guess he called on the stop and seconds later radio that there were shots being fired and that he'd been hit. And the suspect actually fled in the vehicle and remained at large at the time. Uh, but you see the suspect scream by in the video and it's it's just like a, a building cam, you know, no sound. And he turns the corner and the cops give him chase. And as soon as the cop turns corner, uh, you know, his, you still see his vehicle and he just gets lit up. He's taken on gunfire, but the car burst at his car, the cop car burst in the flames and stuff. Um, so the uh, San Bernardino County Sheriff Shannon uh, Dickus said the deputies arrived to find the deputy, who was a 27-year-old who's been with the department for four years, that he was down and his vehicle was on fire. The deputy suffered what appeared to be superficial injuries to his face, and he had shrapnel in one arm. So uh, at least there was justice done, and the uh, cop was very, very fortunate in this. Uh, Corporal David. Yeah, wow. Um, the first or the video portion of this story uh, was startling. Um, and I was, I'm disappointed that there wasn't more information on who the bad guy was. Uh, if you looked at the video, if you watched it carefully, the, the, the bad guy is fleeing the officer. He gets a little bit of distance on him and he's going down the road, whatever road that was. And he makes a right-hand turn. The, the, the frightening part of this was that when the, that the road that he's going down on the vehicle's right-hand side, on the right-hand side of the roadway is a large wall. That bad guy recognized that when he made that right-hand turn, he would be immediately out of view of the police officer that was probably two, probably at least 
give or take, depending on the closure rate and the speeds and, and, and the timing, it looked like the police officer was at least a block to a block and a half behind him. That bad, bad guy made that corner intentionally. He took cover behind that wall where the officer could not see him until he was right on top of him. And you want to talk about a perfect ambush. This guy set it up. This bad guy set it up almost perfect. Uh, where as that cop made that corner, there's the bad guy standing in the street, already was out of his car. I'm sure from the sound on the video that I could hear it was a semi-automatic rifle that he started laying down a, and the, the, the term barrage is correct, uh, there was at least a dozen or more shots that he put into this uh, police vehicle. Um, how the deputy managed to, Los Angeles County deputy managed to escape with the limited injuries that he had is absolutely amazing. He must have got that that uh, engine block in between him and that 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 weapon. But um, that was the scary part that I saw in this video. Um, this bad guy knew exactly where he was. He knew exactly what he was doing. He used the wall as cover to cover his movements uh, so that when the deputy came around after him, he, walked, he drove right into it. Uh, and then you saw on the other part where they're trying to take this guy into custody, he gets into another gun battle. I want to know who this guy is. I want to know if their intelligence division know who, knows who this guy is. I want to know and all of that. That is important. All right. Thanks, David. Lieutenant Rainey, hold that thought. We're going to take another commercial break. So, guys, I want to take an opportunity to tell our um Listener base about how best to watch the show. Now, every Monday evening, seven o'clock Eastern time is when we do our live show. So seven uh, to eight thirty, it's ninety minutes long. We do our live show. Um, now, from that, and I already explained earlier, producer role takes that ninety-minute show and he splits it up in the five segments, and those are being uploaded Tuesday through Saturday to YouTube and also to Rumble. But what producer Will does, he embeds all the videos that we're talking about and, of course, puts pictures of the players. So at least when you're watching it, uh, you don't have to go to a separate interface to watch the videos. Everything's right there. Now, we're also on Thin Blue Line TV. They carry all of our stuff, our segmented shows with Ray Dietrich and also the free press at TampaFP.com with Brian Byrne. So uh, please check out uh, those resources makes for a great way to watch the show. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show. Lieutenant Randy Sutton, the floor is yours. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more with with, uh, with what Dave said. And I did I do have some intel on the suspect. Um, he is a known gang member. Uh, he's a serious, serious bad guy. I got this from an L.A. deputy. And this, the, uh, you could tell that the tactics that he used in this were, were he was trained. Uh, he was trained. He was committed. He's a serious bad guy. And uh, thank God that uh, they took his ass out uh, so he will no longer be a danger on the streets. Thank you. Well said. Well said, Lieutenant. All right, guys, uh, moving along here then. We've got uh, an article on Police One. Minneapolis mayor says that he'll veto the latest ballot language on policing proposal. Um, 
Minneapolis Mayor Jacob Frey said on Thursday that he would veto the city council's latest ballot language. It's a proposal that would decide the future of the city's police department. Uh, the mayor said that he believed the council's current language failed to inform voters about significant aspects of the proposal, including that parts of it would eliminate a minimum staffing requirement for police and would also remove the mayor's complete power over officers. Now, uh, he says, here's a quote, we should tell the truth and voters should know that they what they are voting for. Sadly, yesterday, there was an effort by some council members to hide the ball to prevent residents and voters throughout our city from understanding the full consequences of what the ballot initiative involving police would be. Now, the mayor's veto threat set the stage for a dramatic series of last-minute negotiations with council members. Uh, members of the city attorney's office have warned elected officials. They're just telling them that, hey, you'll be held in contempt of court if you uh, go past a deadline that was coming up. A political committee called Yes for Minneapolis. They wrote the proposal, but officials uh, were tasked with crafting the precise question that appeared on the ballot. So late last month, city officials approved a plan that asked voters if they want to change the charter, quote, to strike or replace the police department with a department of public safety that employs a comprehensive public health approach and which would include licensed peace officers, if necessary, if necessary, to fulfill the responsibilities for public safety, unquote. So uh, that's the kind of convoluted language we're talking about. Um, guys, uh, any comments on what the mayor had to say, uh, Corporal David? Yeah, what a This is just, this This is one of the, a, a group of mayors across the country that are now starting to reap what they sowed uh, a couple of years ago when, when all this crap got out of control. The idiot in Portland, uh, the, the worthless one in, in Seattle, this one in, in uh, this one here in Minneapolis, they're all, they're all now scrambling because now it's all coming back. They laid down for these radical uh, um, anarchist council people and allowed them to run amok. And now they're, now, they've, now they're losing control of it. They've actually lost control of their cities to these people, and they're they're struggling to get it back after seeing, without a doubt, the the, the true result of their stupidity of the defund the police and all that garbage that they were talking. That's what's happening here, and you'll see it. I mean, you, you're seeing it with the other mayors now as well as they're kind of backing up, going, "Oh, I didn't really mean to do this," but yeah, too late, too late. It's it's all on you. <laughs> all right, thanks, uh, Major Ron. You're up. I think Dave made a mistake because I saw um, Representative Pelosi, Congresswoman Pelosi, say that the Republicans uh, did the deep on the police. So you might be making a mistake and that you might be incorrect. So, and, uh, but, you know, he's exactly 1000% correct. They did a social experiment and everyone uh, crapped the bed. And now, now it's coming to fruition. We can all see what, what's going to happen. How did you think by firing half of your police department or running half of them off and, and tying their hands behind their back that now criminals are going to go, oh, that's so beautiful. Oh, my God, that's amazing. I'm not going to steal anymore. I'm going to be the president of IBM tomorrow. You know, this is such garbage. I believe in um, service to the community. I believe in mental health you know, initiatives. I believe in all that, but you can't do anything without law and order, period, point blank in the period. So now they're trying to come around and try to find their testicles in a jar somewhere and reattach them. And um, it's just, it's just it's going to be 10 years, 10, 15 years before this thing gets back to normal in those, those crap riddled cities because of what these poor leaders did. And that's the problem with law enforcement. We have too many leaders 
that are that are just so just weak and weary. We need some people that are strong, tough, and can stand the can uh, stand the storm and sit up there and tell the truth and talk about the facts. If you keep talking about the facts, folks, you don't have to worry about what color anybody is. Just talk about the facts. Excellent words, Major. All right, Captain Barlick, two and a half minutes. Uh, over a year ago, and all this crap started, that punk sissy boy, Mayor Jacob Fry, knelt in front of a mob and, and said, oh, I feel my brokenness, and they, they just booed him out of there. He, uh, I agree that, and there's some, there's, I'm taking some pleasure in watching their experiment implode. But the problem is, on the, on the other end of that, there are some victims out there who are, are, are the result of, their, of their, their failed attempts to do whatever they thought was correct. Um, I still think some city somewhere needs to take one of its wards, one of its areas, and pull the cops out completely, completely, and see how that goes. But again, the problem is always this. There's at least one person left behind saying, no, please don't leave me. Don't leave me behind. I, I need help. But it, it, absent that, I would love to see that little experiment go forth. All right. Thanks, Captain. Lieutenant Randy. Well, remember that uh, they, they just had their asses handed to them in court. Um, the court ruled that they have to hire uh, hundreds of police officers to fulfill what the city charter is. And so now the city council is, is in a total panic. And that's why they're trying, one of the reasons why they're trying to completely um, uh, destroy the entire police agency and create their own uh, uh, unicorn and, and, uh, and, and rainbow type of police department. Yeah, to, to Randy's point, it, they're trying to rewrite the city charter to get out of the contempt that Ron talked about, about having to hire 700, over 700 police officers to meet the city charter. <laughs> I laughed. <laughs> That's going to be a good one. I can't wait for the, for the article that talks about recruitment. <laughs> what a bunch of idiots. And I'm with Brett. I want to see that experiment. And if Ward was here, he'd back me up on it. He wants to see that experiment, too. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Hey, look, let's talk about our radio stations right now and our radio coverage. You know, Boss Hog Radio Network, they gave us our first break in the terrestrial radio, and they are really on the east side of Tampa, so they're in Bushnell, Lakeland, Plant City, all in Florida, also Winter Haven and Avon Park. They have uh, four AMs and an FM, so that's the Boss Hog Radio Network. And we're also on WBCF. They have an AM and an FM in Florence, Alabama, WKUL, two FMs in Coleman, Alabama, uh, KBAR in Burley, Idaho, and we're also on AMFM247.com. Uh, but they also have terrestrial radio stations in Tampa Bay, Florida, Las Vegas, Macon, Georgia, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Boulder, Colorado, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Long Beach, California, the Villages in Florida, STD capital of the world, Jacksonville, Florida, and Washington, D.C. And we're also on threeriversbroadcasting.com, backstageradionetwork.com. And uh, we've got uh, uh, radio syndicator Joe Sparrow adding them, radio stations all the time. So, guys, please check us out, especially if you're in range of those terrestrial radio stations.
Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show. You know, I always like to make sure that producer Will has an opportunity to uh, talk on a live show. So uh, thank you, producer Will. All right, moving along here. Let's see our next one. We've got another update here. Police one. Guys, I, I don't know how everybody else feels. I, I don't know how Lieutenant Randy feels, but I'm actually... Um, I'm actually happy about this. So we're talking, we're in uh, Fort Lauderdale. We're talking about uh, former deputy uh, Scott Peterson accused of taking cover while dozens were shot at the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. Um, he will have to convince a jury that he's not guilty of criminal negligence. And this is what a Broward judge ruled on Thursday. So Peterson, he's 58 years old. He asked Broward Circuit Judge Martin Fien on Wednesday to dismiss criminal charges against him uh, that he's facing. And he said that he did not meet the legal definition of a caregiver as defined under Florida law. Now, Peterson's charged with multiple counts of criminal neglect of a child by a caregiver. Now, his attorney, Mark uh, Iglersh, uh, he argued that the law defines a caregiver explicitly omitting law enforcement officers. Uh, but it will be up to a jury to decide whether a school resource officer uh, whose duties actually include protecting children on campus should be considered a caregiver as well. And this is what the judge ruled. The jury instructions for the specific charge asked the jury to determine whether the defendant is a caregiver. Uh, so that's where we're at. Uh, for former SRO uh, Scott Peterson. And of course, we all know Captain Bartlett is not fond of SRO. So Captain, the floor is yours. I I, th I think if they take him to court on that, I think he'll walk away from it. I mean, it it's it's mm -hmm. pretty clear that he's not the caregiver. And remember, uh, probably 30-something years ago at least, a, uh, I think it was in D.C., a court ruled that police owe no duty. They owe mm -hmm. no duty to an individual no mm -hmm. duty to an individual. And simply because he was assigned to that school, I don't think that creates that relationship that must be there. No, if there's no relationship, the relationship can't be breached. Now, if an officer promised somebody, I will take care of you, and then that didn't happen, maybe that relationship's been, been uh, created and it's been breached. I just don't see this happening. As much as I, 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 there's not enough words for me to describe what I feel about this guy, I just don't think this is gonna work. All right. Thank you, Captain. We've got uh, Corporal David, Major Ron, eight minutes. Yeah, um, I, I, I agree with Brett. I'm going to try to um, channel my, my ward, uh, if, if, at all, if that's at all possible. God, the thought of it just kind of scares me anyways. Um, and it, the way they're describing it, I mean, I think the judge just kind of threw, threw him a bone out there for the prosecution, so he didn't have to dismiss the case. Because if he's not a caregiver, he, he can't be charged with this, with this uh, crime that they're describing. So it's not as it's the jury's not going to decide whether or not he committed a crime. They're going to the only decision they're going to make is whether or not he's a caregiver. That's it. And once that decision is made, it's it's over with. Now, whether or not it even makes it to trial, it, it survives appeal when they appeal this guy's status as a caregiver. That's coming to, you know. So, again, with like Brett said, as, as much as, as we don't like this guy and, and what he did or didn't do, um, and it's Iglarsh, the attorney, um, he's right. I mean, it's, 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 I, that, I just don't see that happening. And if they do, if this does go and there's a precedent set because of it, it's an, think about this. It's an ugly precedent for law enforcement in general. So you have to take that consider in, into consideration as well with this with this circumstance. If, if, if the, if the, if they allow this to go and, and determine that he, that a police officer, a law enforcement officer is a caregiver, dude, Katie, bar the door. Now you've opened up the whole can of worms. So I'm saying no, it's not going to happen. 
All right. Thanks, Corporal. You know, I, I and I know we got Ron and Andrea uh, waiting in the wings here. I I just don't want this guy to have a great retirement. I want him. I when I read about him spending this money, and I'm assuming that the union's not representing him anymore. Um, I'm I'm assuming he's spending his retirement money to defend himself. I love that part because I don't want him. I want his retirement to be miserable uh, because of what he did. But uh, Major Ron, go ahead. You know, <clears throat> this is an example of like you know when you put certain kind of officers in the school. Like, did you think if something hits the fan, what did you think? was going to happen. Who do you think is going to be the warrior? This guy? I mean, clearly, you hear the officers talk about him. You look on blog, they talk about he's been sorry his entire career. I don't know him from Adam Housecat. I wouldn't know if he walked up and kicked me in the nuts, to be honest with you. So, I mean, I don't know the man. I don't know his his uh, his career. I only know the reputation that his, his uh, peers say about him. But what's sad is everyone talks about, oh, we need more guardians. We need more guardians. Well, folks, this guy's a guardian slash sheep. And when this when 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 it came down to came down to brass tacks, he hauled ass. He probably ran past some of your kids, allegedly. But uh, you know, that's the reason when you take someone like that and you put it in a school, then you tell them, okay, be a warrior, don't let anything happen to your children, or don't let anything happen to our children of the community. Look what happens. Look what happens. You know, who put him there? Let's talk about that. Who put this guy there? And let's talk about his reputation when he was put there and why he was there, how long he's been there. And um, what has he done since he's been there? You know, come on, let's let's get down to it. Let's get in the weeds a little bit. All right, thanks. All right, Andrea and Brett, and then we'll uh, move on. Go ahead. Real quick, I think this is where you find a lot of liability when you just try to hide somebody away when they're not doing what they were supposed to do their entire career. I think that that happens a lot. I think, unfortunately, I think we've all seen it. Um, and I think that there are repercussions for things that happen. And when bad things happen, such as this, um, you figure out their weaknesses. The other thing is, is all you have to do is take the definition of either a police officer or re school resource officer. And if it does not say caregiver, I do not see it going anywhere. I think that's about, you know, as clear as day. They can figure that out if they just pull the definition. Okay, thanks, Andrea. All right, Captain. If, if this case goes through and he's convicted and they determined that for this limited use, for this assignment, SROs are caregivers, any SRO, of course, you know my opinion anyway, any SRO who would stay in that job is, is insane. Because what if, what if Junior got punched in the mouth? What if Junior got robbed? What if he got hurt? Where were you, Mr. Officer? Because you know, once they determine that they're a caregiver, the, who's to say that it has to go with battery, with shootings, with anything else? So I don't think it's gonna happen, but if it happens and they uphold it, anybody in the school needs to get the hell out and get out fast. No, I, I, I agree, Captain. I get you. All right, guys, uh, we've got uh, about three and a half minutes before our next break. So uh, let's see. We've got a couple of videos to cover. The first one's on Police One. Officers box in a fleeing driver before a fatal shooting. So we're in uh, Marietta, Georgia. I've actually got family up there. And, hey, it's being investigated by the Georgia Bureau of, Bureau of Investigation. That's GBI. And I don't know if you guys realize that a lot of us really know someone who works up for GBI. It's Karen Hammer who used to be married to Sergeant Ted Hammer. So she's up there, so uh, working for GBI. So anyhow, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation Thursday identified the man who was shot and killed Wednesday after Marietta police say that he fled from authorities in a stolen car. The man was identified as Devante Dwayne Brown, 28 years old. So around 3.30 in the afternoon, Cobb County police, they see a car driving recklessly. 
Officer attempts to stop the car driven by Brown. Brown initially pulls over, but then he refuses to comply, speeds away. And he was pursued by multiple Cobb police and Cobb County Sheriff's deputies who attempted to stop him. So officers, uh, they try to box him in, and they really effectively pretty much do. But during the incident, Brown attempts to get away, and he starts hitting multiple police vehicles. And as police are trying to take him into custody, a Cobb County uh, Police Department officer fires his gun and actually hits Brown, the bad guy. So Brown's taken to a local hospital where he dies. A handgun's found in the car, though, and uh, one officer received a non-life-threatening injury uh, after he was struck by Brown's vehicle. So he hit one of the cops. Um, we got two minutes uh, before our next break, guys. Comments on this? You know, we don't have a lot of instances where we have cops shooting uh, guys in occupied vehicles, but uh, but here's another one. What do you think, Cap or uh, Major Ron? You know this. This you know it, it was tough to to get into the whole story when you're listening to the pre the news. Uh, although she was acting like she was concerned for the police officers, uh, the vocabulary and the tone of they said this happened. They said you know as if it was like incredulous that he stole a car, drove erratically, and they just boxed him in, and then they just executed him. You know, and it's like, you know, at some point, just like these uh, social, these cities are with their social experiments, at some point, someone in the press are going to have to start turning back to the light side, you know, and just tell the news as it occurs. Say what you know, tell the facts. And, uh, you know, if you don't know, don't say or say allegedly, you know, like I often do. You know, I don't know. You don't know from Adam Oscar, but the, stop trying to act like everyone's a murderer because they wear a badge and a gun. That, that part gets me, just gets me a little bit. All right, thanks, Major. There you <laughs> okay. go. Okay, <laughs> you got about thirty seconds, Corporal. That's all I need. I, I mean, the video was from a from a bystander for some other place. It wasn't a, lot, a real good video. But what I will say about it is, these guys did a dang good job of boxing this guy in. He was playing bumper cars in amongst them, but he wasn't getting out. Um, and it wasn't until he finally got really violent with that car and either picked up the gun or did something with the gun that they finally lit him up. But either way, my point being is. They did a very good job of boxing him in. They weren't letting him out of that spot. That was a good job on their part. Agreed. Agreed. We don't see it done effectively like that very often. Hey, let's take our last commercial break. We'll be right back. So I want to take this moment and opportunity to talk to you guys about our podcast and our TV um, presence that we have. Now, lawenforcementtoday.com, they're actually marketing our podcast, but we have 10 podcast formats or platforms that we're on. We have an RSS feed. We're on Anchor, which is our staple. We're also on Breaker, CastBox, Google Podcasts. We're also on Apple, which, of course, is iTunes, uh, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Spotify. So you almost certainly have heard of some of those podcast outlets, and it makes for a great way to watch a show, especially if you're driving to and from work. And uh, now producer Will has just switched it up to what we're doing. Uh, one podcast, their show, really the 90-minute show is in one podcast. You can start and stop it as often as you want when you're driving to and fro work uh, throughout the week. And we're also on livefreetelevision.com. They're also adding us to Roku and the Firestick TV. So it's another great way to watch the show.
right, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show. If there's no more comments on the last one, we'll cover our next video. It's on Thin Blue Line TV. Suspect in body armor starts a gunfight with Edmund, um, Oklahoma police officers. So Edmund police, they released new body cam videos of the encounters that the officers had with a heavily armed man. Edmund police say that they got a 911 call from a man who was checking on his friend named uh, Carrington Scott. The man said that when he knocked on the door, Scott, the friend he's checking on, starts shooting at him. So the friend, although he wasn't hit by gunfire, he runs to a coffee shop. And what you do? He calls cops, of course. So police say that Scott stayed inside his home, who was our bad guy, and continued to shoot at random. When officers get there, they set up a perimeter outside the house. And after a while, uh, police say that Scott went out the front door. He's armed with a semi-automatic rifle. He has a handgun and a significant amount of ammunition. Just what you want to see, right? So police say that Scott is also wearing body armor. So officers say that Scott, he did not comply with verbal commands. Officers uh, shot him in the, in the calf of all places. They shoot him in the freaking calf. So Scott's taken to the hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. So that's the way that ends. Uh, yeah, David, I was hoping for a different shot placement, but uh, we just did a video on on, uh, on the bullet trajectory. Go ahead, Dave. Listen, listen I, I'm <clears throat> in its totality, this, the scenario and the officers that responded to it did a did a, a good job overall. There were some little pieces of it that I laughed and said, oh, he's going to hear about that one or he's going to hear about that one. Um, <clears throat> they All the officers are most I think all the officers I saw and seen all had rifles. They all had positions. They all had good positions around the house where they could see it and control it. <clears throat> the guy comes out. He does whatever stupid crap he does, and, and, and at least one or two officers fire at him, at least two, and he goes down. I'm thinking, okay, good. You know, good rifles. You got uh, red dot or whatever kind of size you can hit the guy. <laughs> no, no. The, the one guy, and, and, then, and then they go to the scene. Then they collapse on the guy. Good. They move in. They don't wait. They go right to it. They're, they're, they're on task. They're doing their job. It's all good. And then um, I see a blown-out window of, a, of an SUV that's parked in the bad guy's driveway, and the car is pulled in facing the house. So I don't think he shot it out from his own house. So I'm thinking one of them hit the window, and then in another, another angle, a guy down the other side, when he shot, I think he shot the spare tire on the vehicle that he was using as a as, as a as a uh, as a support. And I'm just I, then at that point I started laughing. I said, "Okay, now wait, wait a minute, what's going on?" Because you see the tire go. Oh no! So other than those two little oops things, the entire scene was good because then they collapsed on the scene. They had two guys that with rifles that maintained perimeter control. They, they kept their eyes on the house where the bad guy came out of, you know, not knowing if, if there's another threat. They, they maintained control of the scene. Um, they went to the bad guy, got him handcuffed, started to give the medical um, assistance. And I see the guy, I'm going to put a tourniquet on you, sir. And he's putting the tourniquet up his leg. And they okay, maybe he got hit, whatever. <laughs> no. And then the, I think they put a Band-Aid on his calf or something like that after they put a tourniquet. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Somebody needs to go back to the range. But that's okay. I'm glad the guy, you know, listen, we're, it's always good when the bad guy survives. No cops were hurt in the making of this of this body cam video. And so that's all good. Um, but some funny little things in there that I get to laugh about. Ha ha.
Hey, you, you know, and I know we have Captain Bartley getting ready to weigh in and producer Will, but, hey, you know, uh, Lieutenant Randy, I was thinking this would make a, a great premise for your next movie that you do. Um, you know, I could see you coming up with your Rambo knife from the opposite direction. The cops have got him distracted with long guns and you're sneaking up there. And, of course, you've only got a few strike points because he's wearing body armor and you're taking care of business, you know, with the with the uh, Rambo. And I don't know. I just think it would be kind of I would pay money to watch that movie, Randy. I, I would watch you do that. I, well, you know what? I, I'm I'm kind of thinking that maybe maybe I need to write that, um, and I'm gonna put the, I'm gonna put the knife in my teeth as oh, I, I like as that. I attack. Yeah, Captain oh, Bl- Captain Blood. <laughs> yeah, Las Vegas Jeez. style. There you go. All right, we got uh, five and a half minutes left, guys. Uh, we've got um, some open mics. Uh, go ahead, uh, go ahead. Well, actually, producer Will, why don't you go ahead and go first, and then we'll get uh, Captain Michael and VS just donated. Uh, Michael MVS, man, he does so much for us. Thanks for supporting the show and also submitting the agency for knowyourforce.com. So thanks, Michael. Uh, Captain Brett, the floor is yours. You know, in the years we've been doing this, I have not seen such a great example of cops using the rifle in a standoff position behind great cover, firing good shots and bringing the guy down. I, you know, it, it's, it's, you couldn't be, they were behind a, a low rise. You know, they kept a low profile. They fired the shots. Good for them. The only thing I noticed, the, the main the main officer approaching, as he's approaching, and there's two other cops coming up, he let his finger drift onto the trigger, and it stayed there for, I don't know, 10 seconds, and then he brought it off. Uh, again, I, I give these guys a 99 out of 100, but just letting that trigger finger drift on. There's a phenomenon that happens out there, and, and I've seen it before. It's called test, uh, the, the test finger, letting it touch the trigger, kind of reassuring yourself the trigger, this is true, reassuring yourself, trigger's still there, finger off, touching the trigger, reassuring, take it off. It's, it's something that happens. It's, it's, you're, it may not even be happening uh, uh, on a conscious level, but they're, they're just reassuring themselves, my, my trigger's still there. I still feel my trigger. And it could, you know, it could be an issue. If that guy had flinched and moved, he might have jerked that shot. But just a small observation uh, on, on a very good job, very interesting thing. Uh, thanks, Cam. And producer Will, you may want to edit that a little bit. It sounded like he was going to say testicular, and, and, and then it was, uh, you know, uh, you know, it, it was the uh, the other the other T word. I don't know. I, w- I wasn't sure what he was trying to say, but you may want to fix that so people don't get the wrong impression. You may want to install a new chip, Chip. <laughs> <laughs> or we we may want to install a new chip, Chip. But how about that? Um, yeah. One other point I, I want to make. Um, Michael MVS is very often first on our YouTube videos now, looking, being the first person to look at them as, as they're posted, which um, I'm not sure what's going on with, with, with my boy Salty Monkey. I mean, somebody needs to step up. I, I hate to see a fight go down, but come on, guys. <laughs> Excellent. All right, guys, moving along here, then let's see our next one. Um, you know, I've got a, uh, a just a quick update I want to throw in. You know, we've really got a, a ton of updates this evening, and they're all really good. But on Police One, judge rejects charges for Hawaii officers in a fatal shooting. Now, this was a uh, – they, they boxed in the vehicle. Um, if you guys remember, we covered this not long ago, but a Hawaii judge on Wednesday rejected murder and attempted murder charges against three Honolulu police officers in a fatal shooting of a teenager, and they prevented the case from going to trial. But the story gets better. District Court Judge William Domingo, and it's not like James Domingo, Brett. Um, this guy's actually a righteous judge. Um, in a ruling from the bench, he said that there was no probable cause that the officers committed the crimes that they were being accused of. Now, he noted that the teenager, 16-year-old, uh, ir- 
your remander, skycap, led the officers on a high-speed chase immediately before the April 5th shooting. He refused commands to stop. He uh, said that the incident only ended after skycap, the bad guy, was shot, and the car actually fell into the canal, remember, after the, uh, after the shooting. Honolulu prosecutors, they filed charges against these three officers after a grand jury refused to indict these guys. And they argued at trial um, that they should be held um, regardless of that. And it's the first time in more than 40 years that a Honolulu cop has been charged in a fatal shooting. Officer Geoffrey Tom was charged with murder. Prosecutor said he fired 10 rounds at Skycap, the bad guy through the rear window of the car after it stopped at an intersection. And then other officers, Zachary, Ani and uh, Fidulis' uh, opened fire, and they were charged with second-degree murder or second-degree attempted murder. So that's the way that went down. But I'm just astonished that these guys were charged, uh, but I'm glad the right thing happened. What do you think, Corporal? You know, now I, I don't know where the heck Ward is when we need him. Gosh, dang it. But I wonder what, what my take is, is that the judge was basically telling the prosecutor, you're overreaching. Um, we watched the video, and... A lot of us were kind of like, oh, God, that guy shot through the back window as the car is driving away from him. Um, you know, yeah, it was a tight space, but ew, ooh, ah, this might not go good in a place like Hawaii, ultra liberal. But I'm one, that's, so that, that's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering if the judge is, is sending a message to the prosecutor saying you're overcharging. If, you, if he went for something like, you know, a, a manslaughter charge or voluntary manslaughter, something like that, maybe they would get that prosecution. But I, I think this is a case, and we've talked about it before, about doing the right thing. If you're going to charge a cop, if you're going to charge anybody, charge them correctly. Don't don't overreach. I think that might be the case here. All right, last story. We just have seconds. Um, Dane County, Wisconsin, uh, the sheriff has said that they're no longer calling um, inmates inmates. They're calling them residents or those within our care. Dane County Sheriff Calvin Barrett um, in Wisconsin. What do you guys think about that? Is that freaking whacked or what? 19 seconds. Oh, come on. I've, we all need to hug and kiss and hold hands. I sent that guy an email telling him he was an ass clown. <laughs> it, so, if you, so, so if you call him residents, that means something permanent. That's what it sounds to me. You're permanently here. You're a resident. That's even worse. Hey, a shout-out to our sponsors, KnowYourForce.com, Galls, ExtraDuty Solutions, GunLearn.com, Verding Weapon Technologies, and Guardian Alliance Technologies. Thanks to Pexip for powering us. And also, Michael, uh, MBS, for your support. Hope everybody has a wonderful and a safe week.